0: Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Michael Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about Cowboy Bebop. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today
1: to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm
0: is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. As a plant-based cheese company, Daya has never talked about beef in an ad before. Because someone somewhere once had a beef with saying beef and plant-based together. So, putting a slice of daya cheese on a beef burger, not okay. Well, our delicious melty cheese has a beef with your beef about beef. Because any step towards plant-forward eating is a step in the right direction. Dea, 100% plant-based, even if you're not. Now made with Dea Oat Cream Blend.
1: Yes, indeed. You gave us no rest. And also, you know what? We just really wanted to do this. Slaver of Love, you know? Yeah.
0: And it's funny because, like, we we really wanted to do this. And this is just, like, this is just a taste. Like, we might talk about, we might actually go full... There is so much to talk about,
1: re-Cowboy Bebop, that there, there's just no way that we could ever possibly contain it in one episode, actually.
0: Right. And I don't know, like... You know, Netflix is doing a live adaptation. They're they're producing a live adaptation, and in fact, this podcast, sound only, you know, originally started as a recapables, you know, series where we talked about Neon Genesis Evangelion. We originally wanted to do a second season where we talked about, you know, Cowboy Bebop in the same style, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then John, you know. Spike Spiegel broke his leg on set of the Netflix Live adaptation and that sort of complicated our plans, right? You know, um, not
1: like in the show, he's not able to just sleep for a very long time and then just up and run a marathon right. and then fight so, 12 people at the end of it. Yeah. Not not something that the real life Spike could do, so.
0: Right. Um, maybe we'll revisit that approach when the Netflix Live adaptation rolls around to sort of do a kind of, Let's walk through the whole series. But for now, at least, I like to think of what we're going to do now as like a primer, right? We're just going to... It's like a holiday episode. This is that special yeah, holiday shit. You know, this is that, that special.
1: You know, we're in the festive, generous mood and we are generously gifting like some sort of... I don't know. Is this a Cowboy about syllabus? I, I feel like that's a little too strong. But we're going to talk about Cowboy about though.
0: For sure. For sure. I will say, Micah, like... Not to to do too much of a digression, but five minutes. You want to talk okay. real quick about Jeezy yes. versus Gucci Mane. Five, five. <laughs> <laughs> five minutes, and then we'll talk about Cowboy Bob. First of all, though, we got to talk five about some minutes. Atlanta shit.
1: Five five minutes to talk briefly about Dog. The, 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 how is the that Gucci, legal? Jeezy versus which? I mean, explain it. Explain for, it explain for, the match-up. for for a brief bit of background. Um, they are both. Uh, heavy hitters out of mid 2000s Atlanta trap music, right? Like Jeezy, anthems, 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 Gucci, actually a good rapper. Yeah. So let's let's just, uh, I mean, like, you know, I feel like very different sort of catalogs. The thing that, they have very, very different, different catalogs. catalogs yeah. Like, I mean, like Jeezy layup line music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this is the stuff that, like, you're doing push ups alone in your apartment to Gucci. Yeah. Is also that, but then there's the like, if you listen closely,
0: he's also saying some shit. Anyway, it's ethereal. He's like way more ethereal than Jeezy. Jeezy's more more like a grand marshal of a, you know, the Air Force or something. Of an advancing
1: army. Yeah. 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 But anyway, uh, Gucci, Jeezy versus they had a brief, you know what? I'm not even going to call it brief. Like in in the mid 2000s, like there was an incident where. It's commonly like widely accepted knowledge that Jeezy said hitters after Gucci, Gucci killed one of them, and then Gucci recorded a song about it called "Truth," which he put on Apple Music as his lead single before the verses battle even started. Which is how you knew it was going to be some extremely chaotic shit. There is literally a line in that song where he says, "Go dig your dead partner no, up; bet he can't say shit." and he performed that song during the verses while Jeezy looked at his shoes uh like I mean like he had him sit him down it was a very surreal scene
0: yeah it is it's more surreal cuz like i watched it out of order i watched it the next day and out of order all this is happening in the context of an entertainment event where Stacey abrams appears you know what i mean it's like what what, what yeah
1: happened? there's uh, there's uh, it was such a st- it was so dystopian because it was like two catwalks leading to two thrones, each of them were sitting there. I think that, like the the verses, was probably more amazing for all the songs that they didn't play because they had like so many hits that they didn't touch. Um,
0: yeah, that's especially true with Gucci, right? Like Gucci, Gucci,
1: is just, Gucci was just like you can't really you know, even
0: agree on sort of what his hits are he was just playing his. he was just
1: playing personal favorites and Jeezy was promoing a new album so it was like weird in that way but it got super weird after gucci performed truth because like (laughs) there's i mean there's sort of like the thing that we talked about in in the previous episode where there's the it's kind of like the play fighting aspect of Versus where it's like, you know, kayfabe. It's like two pro wrestlers. It's not actual. And it's also usually some camaraderie there. But yeah, there I was actual real life was, yeah. animosity. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it was just like, you know... um Like the the tweets from it are just so amazing because it's just like you know Gucci saying fuck it's fuck Jeezy over here Jeezy's just like here's a song from 2005 (laughs) like it just wasn't the the energy wasn't the same I think is the way that I would put it Uh, and it we got truly bizarre after like Gucci performed Truth because Jeezy then was like. Decided that he wanted to be the bigger man and was like giving some speech about how you know like it's bigger than like the beef between us. This is about hip hop and like started listing out you know recently slain rappers and it was just weird because it's just like you can't be the bigger man if you set the hitters.
0: <laughs> yeah, you really can't. Anyway, but that was anyway, the five minutes. That Laker. was the Listen, five minutes. We're not talking about songs from two thousand five. We're talking about songs from nineteen ninety eight today. Yes! We're we're talking about Cowboy. We're talking
1: about Yoko Kano. We're talking about the seatbelts.
0: Yes. Talking about Asteroid Blues, Stray Dog Strut, Honky Tonk Women, Gateway Shuffle, and other such classic episodes of anime television. Michael, what's the deal with this show? This show has... The specific regard The specific acclaim of Cowboy Bebop Like, think about it You and I have talked extensively about Neon Genesis Evangelion, right? And that's a show that is a plot-ass plot show It's a character-ass character development show I think people like it for its, um, you know, it's sort of like Its intellectual and its psychological and emotional pretensions, right? This show has a lot of ideas Bebop is sort of, it's, you know it's a very different show that has a very similar half life in that this show is the best possible version of calling something like style over substance, you know, like this show mm-hmm. has style. this show is just out the pure i gotta mean, be like it's
1: it's just oh it's it's such a stylish show and 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 literally, even in the way that it chooses to like. I mean, for instance. All right, you listed a whole bunch of episode names just yeah. now, right? But I was taken aback by how smart it was, like how smart the two-part episode of Jupiter Jazz was and yes. how it explains the relationship between everybody on the bebop. Cuz it's just like, you know, they don't even really like each other, but they cannot they can never leave each other. And you and you don't really understand why when you're watching it when you're 10. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like when you're almost 30 it's like oh these are just people whose depressive cycles sync up like <laughs> and they know how to take care of each other that's why they like can never leave each other it's like but the thing is that like it's that's a like an interesting idea to like you know larp on in a show that has spaceships and uh sword fights and
0: whatnot you know Absolutely. And it's sort of, you know, talking about it now, like I said, this show aired in 1998. We're talking about it in 2020. I think a key thing about this show that we'll talk through various elements of it is that this kind of show doesn't really get made anymore. Like this show feels um, expensive, expressive, but at the same time has a a distinct discipline to it. When I say expensive and expressive, it's not, you know, this is a show with a lot of martial arts and gunfights, right? And yet, but it takes a that's lot. That's not time. The expensive expressive. Yeah, yeah.
1: It takes a lot of time to build out the stranger corners of the world, the things that make it feel lived in, um, right?
0: And the world is like that's that's putting it too small because this is the universe. This show spans the universe.
1: We're in space! There could be a legit anthology series about Cowboy Bebop, you know, and you would never run out of things that... Like, imagine if Star Wars just, like, you know, actually cared about what happened to the Ewoks. What if they got to have, like, you know, a complex and you know, sort of the civic history or something? Like, that's, like, the kind of attention that Cowboy Bebop pays to, like, minor
0: characters. We are going to talk about Star Wars throughout this conversation. But yes, I'm glad you raised this point about Star Wars and Cowboy Bebop because I think, especially if you look through to modern Star Wars, there are some lessons that perhaps modern Star Wars should be drawing from this show. But first, let's talk about the show. <laughs>
1: Oh. Um Cowboy Bebop is essentially sort of a show about a woman in a really roundabout and complex and convoluted way. Can you explain to me, Charity, the dynamic between Spike, our you know, anti-hero, the ultra-stylish, loafing, Jeet Kune Do person, and yep. Julia, the mm-hmm. love of his life, and Vicious' most hated enemy.
0: Yeah. This dynamic is, in some sense, core to, I guess, the story so far as Cowboy Bebop has a story. It feels like a very vague dynamic because it's established a lot in flashback. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's it's Spike and he had a girl. And you don't know what happened. You got all these flashbacks to shootouts and, you know, mob shit. Like, that's the thing. You know, Cowboy Bebop is a universe where... A bunch of people, you know, lots of people are wrapped up in mob shit. And Spike, you know, before he was a bounty hunter, Spike Spiegel was, you know, he 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 did dirty business with, with dirty organizations. And Spike, Julia and Vicious are all sort of, that's sort of where their like past life, right, is like... I don't know. It, that's that's it. It's sort of like very vaguely established that they all have this backstory that's sort of seedy underbelly of, you know, this this sprawling intergalactic cartel. And Spike in present day is a bounty hunter who's sort of on the outs of all of that. Is that right?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, we already talked about how stylish the show is, so we should just talk about like Spike's styling. Like he's He's always wearing this blue leisure suit and like a yellow shirt with collar all rumpled and like his tie is broke way off. And like he's tall the, the as rolls. shit. Yeah, he's tall as shit. Like, I mean, it look this looks like a person who had it on the flop and lost it on the river. Like he's kind of this person that is. I mean, like it becomes very apparent that like he's like very sad. <laughs> yeah. And, but, the thing is, is that he's also got, like, all these superhuman abilities and shit. Like, he's an expert pilot and he can fight really well and all this other stuff. And he's really fast and, uh, like, he could do all this acrobatic flippy twirly shit. But it's, like... He's very
0: nimble. Like, one of my favorite things about how he's styled in terms of his, his, um, his physical fight style, right, is a lot of his fighting isn't even offensive. It's him just defensively dodging things in this right. way that makes him look like a complete goofball. Right, it's great, you know. It's the Hong Kong shit. It's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and like, I actually, like, I love the way they do that. And um, they do that in an episode where he basically parrots Bruce Lee's uh, way of the intercepting fist theory, where he's just kind of like water can drift without effort one moment and pound down in a torrent the very next. And that's all Spike does in the show. Like, he's like lying down, complaining about not having any instant ramen to eat, like and then all of a sudden he's in a ship, you know, dogfighting, like three policemen or something. Um, but Spike is like his familiarity with losses, like made him like superhumanly durable to it. I think yeah. is like the most concise way that I can put it.
0: Right, totally. And and you know, you've got all these flashbacks that are sort of gesturing at the idea of tragic backstory. Spike, Julia, Vicious. Who is Julia? Who is Vicious? But in present day, you've got the crew of the Bebop. And in the beginning, right, you have, you know, you have Spike Spiegel, Jet Black, two partners, Bounty Hunters. And then crucially, throughout the course of the show, on board the Bebop, you get Faye Valentine, who how would you describe Faye? Faye is just like broke and sloppy and just she her shit is all fucked up.
1: Well, like her bills
0: the way her checking account is set up you know, know. what F- you know
1: what Faye is Faye is um Faye is like a not not quite a young millennial, but not an old millennial either like she's the scammer culture she she's like she's, a scammer she's big, like she's big yeah. scammer culture, but I mean yeah. like. Also, if you like really, if you want to overread the episode where she, because I mean, like she's was cryogenically frozen, uh, you know, wakes up in the year 2071 suddenly with 300 plus billion dollars in debt. Yeah. And so like her motivating force is paying that off or otherwise running away from it. So, I mean, like, you know. Sounds like somebody that graduated college with yeah. a lot of student. <laughs> I'm just saying. If we're keeping it to stat 50. That's like because I mean, you know, I was
0: cryogenically frozen at Georgetown University. Exactly. The and then I now well, I got
1: this education I can't use and <laughs> a lot of bills to pay. <laughs> that's that is literally her story. Um, you know, and uh I think we should back up a little bit because also like I like. The dynamic between Spike and jet is also like one that like I really, really, really love because Jet is a retired like police sergeant, yeah with a metal arm and a like in a store and a story that he doesn't want to tell anybody just like Spike, and a lot of emotions pass wordlessly between them in a way that I really like because it's like they cannot. Tell each other how much They love each other or how much they mean to each other But like their relationship Is so like Fraternal
0: <laughs> The best I, I think it's so well established In the first episode of the show right when it's um, it, You sort of noted this Before it's you know Spike Complaining about food because this jet Is cooking on the ship on the bebop Yeah and he makes ramen he's like Or he makes something with bell, bell peppers pep- and beef. beef with bell peppers bell peppers, beef, yeah, and, bell beef. Be- and he said Spike, Spike's like Excuse you me. You said Jet. it was bell peppers in this. And Jess just like, nigga.
1: We ain't got, no, we ain't got we ain't no fucking beef, dog. You you just like, you know what? You know what? On the last mission, you crashed up the car, then you threw the gun out the window. And then all this other shit happened. And I and that ate up on the ain't got so no now we, bell don't, we don't have no we don't, don't have
0: had no beef
1: we We're eating we are eating soul vet we're eating vegetables because you spent all the beef money that's that's what's happening yeah i like I absolutely love the relationship because it's just like one between <laughs> it's just like the old head trying to set the like the guy like the young gun straight like in yeah. some sort of perverse way, but it's just kind of like you're lost the to shit too, you're sweeping up hair in the barbershop,
0: shop Luke yeah. cage, yeah. <laughs> Yo, and then fourth and fifth on the bebop, the spaceship bebop, Ed, Ed, and Ed explain and Ed, Ed. Ed,
1: yo. How to explain Ed? Ed is a category completely unto themselves. Uh, they are, and I'm using these pronouns because like they don't yeah, really, yeah, like, it's like you like, I, connect, say,
0: I, I, I think Ed is a girl. I just sort of assume. I track, right? thought
1: that Ed was, I thought that Ed was a girl, but then I was just kind of like, maybe Ed is just the androgynous boy. When I was like, when the show went off of streaming service briefly in, co- briefly in college and I was watching it on like, you know, ripped anime sites or whatever, the dubbing is weird. And so is the subtitling. Yeah, like, so yeah. they,
0: like, the show you know, is very, the show is very sort of, like
1: yeah it's very ambiguous about like about ed um but ed is a hacker that refers to themselves in the third person uh, in a lilting fashion at all times. I yes. mean, like, Ed is constantly mid Ed
0: looks like a noodle. Ed is, like, built Ed like a noodle. Ed moves like a noodle. Yeah, like a pool like noodle. A noodle. Yeah, yeah.
1: Ed, is, Ed is a wacky, flailing, inflatable arm, flailing tube bad. That's that's what Ed is. Right.
0: And like a child, right? Like, the whole yes. deal is that you have Jet, Spike, and Faye on the ship, and they're all like, oh, we're adults. Oh, we don't read the Surgeon General's warning." And then you have Ed, who's just whimsical as shit, <laughs> And also is running around with, you know, the dog. Yeah, Ayn. Ayn. Ayn is adorable. Yeah, Ayn is adorable. Ayn is like a Welsh Corgi. Right. And, yeah, that's the crew, you know? And I this is important, too, in the sense that Bebop really does, you know, we've described two dynamics, right? Spike, Julia, Vicious is sort of the background. It's sort of the core story in terms of Spike, but it also is... Not really the focus of that many episodes in the series. And then again, you have Spike, Jet, Faye, Ed, and Ein. And that's that's really the heart of the series, right? And what that sort of means is that Bebop is um, it's like an anthology. It's sort of, they're just sort of, every episode is them doing jobs and riffing and and sort of learning to live with each other.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a group of roommates drifting through space trying to make rent and like heal their past trauma like yeah. in a very like clumsy stumbling way. Um, yeah. It's like the the show can decides in different episodes that it wants to be different things. Like at one point it's you know, an arch horror flick. At one point, it's like you know, black exploitation. A cold, dog. Yeah, at one point, mushroom it's black exploitation. Yeah. Yes, mushroom samba. At one point, it's like you know, a cold political thriller. Um, almost, I don't know. What would you describe? No, it's like a psychological thriller. Maybe Mad Pero. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's there is a lot of things that the show tries and is successful at, which is like. Strange and he treats it like for it's, it's nothing.
0: That, it's just like, yeah, we did this for one episode, and yeah, then it just, just moves
1: like, on. Yeah, and it doesn't come back again. Um, but at all the same, like it still builds on the characters as it happens. Like there's one episode where something gets loose on the ship and it's biting people, yeah, and like, yeah, and they are you know exhibiting strange symptoms and hallucinating and so on and so forth. But really, what it is is like it kind of explains each of like, I, I, I don't know. It gives something, it gives something very crucial away about each of the characters on the ship, I guess, to me, at least, um, like Ed's whole, you know, driving force about where it, it teaches each character a lesson. Remember how it has like the cards across every goes, like lesson one, Ed's is always just like, always talk to strangers. <laughs> and phase yeah. is like lesson two is just kind of like all, like always eat what's in the frit. Like, eat what's in the fridge and don't tell anybody. I can't remember what it is, but spike is like the last person to learn any sort of lesson. And then like, there's something like sort of really telling about him. What the, 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 the being happened to be was like some lobster he left in the fridge, like for over a year. And it like, it mutated. It became sentient. Yeah. So instead of like dealing with it directly, he like just shoves the entire fridge out of the airlock. (laughs) it's like it's such a great show
0: the more you say this the more I'm like yeah you're right it's just a show about roommates in space Um, (laughs) I will say too that like how long ago how many episodes ago is it that we talked about Lovecraft Country four three four yeah see that's the thing when I was going back and watching re-watching some of the episodes of Bebop it's it's so really underscored for me how hard it is to do the anthology thing, right? Like Lovecraft Country is a show we were frustrated with and that, that show's problem is that it wants to sort of do the whimsical, you know, one episode, we, we try to be three different things and then we move on and we're just always sort of winging it. Yeah. And Bebop really, the reason that I think that approach works so well for Bebop is like you said, is that those four characters, right, Spike, Jet, Faye, Ed, are such a strong anchor for all of the experimentation that happens around them in the course Mm -hmm. of the 26 episodes. Yeah. Um, And so because the character development feels so potent and straightforward, you can afford to do a lot of stuff that's extracurricular to it. And that's kind of crazy brained, and that shouldn't work, but does, you know, but you have to have something at the heart of it. And a show like Lovecraft Country got frustrating because it wanted to be big, cosmic brain show, but there weren't like consistent things at the heart of it. And Bebop, just rewatching it, is just like these characters can make any any of the execution work. All of the musical eclecticism, all of the all of the stylistic eclecticism of the episodes, it works because there there is the essential thing at the heart of it in the form of these characters.
1: Yeah, it's a solid enough anchor that it keeps like side characters like the heavy metal queen and like the chess master from flying off into the into space. You know? Um, Yeah. It's jazz, baby. It's jazz, baby. And like that's (laughs) that's another thing that I miss because this time when I rewatched it last week, I was uh, watching the dubbed version on Funimation. And the things that they do with Jet's voice acting are just so funny because he's just scatting the whole time. He's just like, "Whoa, were you so obsessed with bombs, baby?" Like you
0: know. Bebop is a show, and I'm, maybe it's obvious by the title, right? But this is kind of a show where, even before talking about the director, and we'll talk about Watanabe, but before talking about the director, we have to talk about the composer, right? Because that's so much of the spirit and appeal of this show. As much as I love the characters, right? So much of the spirit and appeal of this show is the soundtracks. It's soundtracks! This is a 26-episode show with, like, eight Different CD releases, I know, because in the primordial days of the internet, buying these soundtracks from Yoko Kano and the seatbelts for Cowboy Bebop from Discogs, yeah, dog. Like back when you didn't know whether actually like putting your debit card information into the internet was supposed (laughs) to work. You know, exactly. Should I do this? You are a
1: rackete. Looking yeah, for yeah right. yeah it's just it's it's just like it was it, is it was different it was different it was it wasn't a different Amazon
0: I'm like oh we all go to Amazon to get the nah you were going to it it wasn't even Rakuten at that point it was Proto Rakuten you couldn't even read it it was maybe three words in English on a whole site and you're reading the prices in yen and you're like I hope I calculated this right I hope oh, oh no man. Um, hey, but yeah like it's it is I bought them shits so that's how I you know. Those soundtracks and like the Ava soundtracks, Mishiro Sugisu. I remember those are like the first things I bought <laughs> off of the internet in whatever, well, like 2002, whatever. Yoko Kano, the composer.
1: Yes, yes. And um, the, 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 the music of Cowboy would be about the show. Yeah, the, I mean, like the first episode, Asteroid Blues, is about Jet and Spike going to Tijuana to like track down some... Guy who stole some stuff from some people and he's hiding out in the bar with his beautiful girlfriend slash wife uh, slash Bonnie to his Clyde. But I mean, like, there's a, like there's several sequences in the show that make you realize that this is like, oh, this is like really different. Like, this might be one of the best pops of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like the part where he where he takes the bloody where uh Asimov takes the bloody eye for the first time and starts hallucinating. Yeah, while he he's injects fight- the
0: drug right into. his He, eye d- with he the spray, injects right. the drug
1: and like the the camera goes fish eye and wobbly and like red grain and like he kills six people and it's like such a crazy visual sequence, and the sound design of that is crazy. Then there is a fight scene uh, towards like you know the middle to the end of the episode where Asimov fights Spike and like. At like a taco stand, and <laughs> Yo, he's wearing, the, he's and he's wearing, wearing a he's <laughs> wearing the, a sombrero and a poncho, and he's, I, it's like he's dressed, he's, he's, he's a, like he's dressed like Dirty Harry, but like also like a barbary.achi shows up to fight Azimov. They fight at a taco stand, but like when the fight breaks out, instead of like yeah. you know. Some percussive electronic or heavy metal or whatever sort of like you know hard hitting shit. It's like you know the strolling jazz beat. Like and it's just like oh shit, this is like art. I'm watching Cheediba. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> like- Chidima, yeah, it's funny because like you have the introductory like the the opening theme of bebop icon yes. right? Tang. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, That's Jack. You know, you doing like, but even so, like, like at the end of the episode, I didn't get to the third sequence. Yeah. There's uh, the the chase scene uh, mm-hmm. where he's like,
0: they lift off off of that highway, yeah, and they get yeah. in space, yeah,
1: and like the you know the horns from Bird on a Wire start playing. <laughs> like, it's like I, it really like reformed like my idea of like what chase music can be.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah, um,
1: yeah. and. Because, I mean, like, when you start a chase in a movie or in a TV show, I'm pretty sure, like, you have a good idea about how it's going to end. So, like, you know, the music can be a little mournful or it can be a little something else. And, like, it's just, like, a thing that Cowboy Bebop takes time to think about or Kano kind of takes time to think about before, like, putting a music placement in a show.
0: Yeah, and it does it even after that first episode. It sort of recreates that moment. Over and over again Where You know A potent I don't know A fight will break out Right Or somebody will start running Faye will start running around Running from people Who are chasing her Right mm-hmm. And You always have that moment When the music hits And you're just so Off You're taken off guard By how thoughtful The music yes. direction is And how it's yes. not just like Oh they're playing This is the music Where they're oh, trying this to this sounds cool They're just trying to manipulate like, yeah. Your You know To be like This is a chase sequence It's like nah It's almost like the episode, the episodes feel engineered around the music rather than the music feeling engineered around the episodes. Yeah. It feels like, you know, it feels like Faye is running away from these people in this sequence as the sort of pretext for, I don't know, it's almost like music video direction in a weird way. Yeah. You know? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, This shit is beautiful. Like, I don't know. You could just sort of, I think bebop leads with jazz, right? Yoko Kano and the seatbelts do a lot of stuff. They do jazz, big band, blues, American folk. They do they do some country music. I think especially by the time the movie comes out. Uh they it's really it's really eclectic. And I should they say really tried
1: well, I was gonna say that they, they they really do try to like suss out what different parts of a society this far into decay would sound like. Like what would the like what would what would a gassed outpost on Mars sound like yeah. uh in the year 2071 after the hypergate has crashed, you know? Like it's <laughs> it's like a really weird headspace to have to go to, but it works every time.
0: I'm glad you put it like that. One distinct thing to me about Bebop is that as much as the show wants to be a Western, right? It's it's aesthetic is a bit more complicated because it's um
1: it's, it's like, also a noir. It's post,
0: yeah, it's noir. But it's it's really what I'm getting at is this sort of post-globalization aspect of it. Because it'd be uh, one thing yeah. if it was like an anime that's trying to be Western. But instead, it's doing this this sort of... Everyone's in space and all of the sort of national context that you remember from Earth, like China and the United it's States. Completely and Japan. It's, yeah, scr- it's sc- completely gone. It's not just gone. gone, it's scrambled. Right. So the show looks American, but also Chinese, but also Japanese in terms of the artifacts... Of that that humans have carried with them into space, and so you look like you're you're looking at it looks like Hong Kong, to me honestly a lot of a lot of the show looks like it is a mashup of like the way people live feels like a mashup of things taken from Western cultures and things taken from China and Japan. And so the music kind of feeds off of that, right? Like the music is sort of the music needs to be as eclectic as this sort of advanced sage of humanity is. Right?
1: You know what I was thinking about is uh, like the way that Titan AE does it is that they literalize the drifter colonies after Earth explodes. And of course, like, you know, all of South America and Central America ends up in like, it's like, it brings like it, it. It sort of like dips its toes into the idea of like a, the melting pot aspect of like what yeah. would happen post Earth, but with Bebop, Earth isn't completely gone. It's just you know almost totally irradiated, and there's no like <laughs> there's 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 basically it's marginal. It's so yeah, it's marginal. Yeah. It's marginal. It's marginal. So really, like it's more of an idea of cross pollination in between the different parts of the cowboy bebop universe. So it really does feel like everything is really jumbled up.
0: Yeah. And that jumbled feeling is the the music itself feels stylistically jumbled, but in this way that feels totally of a piece with the fact that, you know, the episode structure and the fact that the center of gravity is jazz, right? So you're always you feel like you're in good hands with Kano, like with a composer and this band that I don't know. The the real thing the show pulls off is being so eclectic and nonetheless having what feels like a very distinct musical signature. Yeah. That cuts through all of all of its sort of scooting back and forth between oh we're going to do samba. Oh we're going to do like a weird Saxophone dirge, you know. Oh, we're gonna do big band, you know. Yeah, oh, we're gonna have a guy singer.
1: The way that the show, like you know, decide that decided that it wanted to be different things in different weeks. The fact that the episodes are called sessions instead yeah. of like episodes.
0: Yeah. Um. You also have you've got you've got two main vocalists throughout the series. Um. Mai Yamane and Steve Conte. Uh. Steve sings in English. Mai Yamane sings in Japanese and. Yeah, they seem weirdly essential to the show in a way, right? They it feels again more than you know. Oh, this show has an opening credits sequence by Massive Attack, and so they sing the theme song. It feels more. It's it's different than that, right? It feels yeah. more like I don't know. They feel kind of like a, a choir and a play, or they feel kind of like a cor- like a Greek chorus in a weird way, like especially in like Ballad of Fallen Angels, right? This rain, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes. I mean, like it's 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 difficult to imagine one without like ever coming into existence without the other. Yeah, yes, is is really the point that we're trying to drive home.
0: Yeah, I don't know. This is I I, can't, I honestly can't think of other shows. Like I can think of plenty of, you know, I'm I'm the kind of person who at this point plays video games for the music, right? Like <laughs> I can think of plenty of things where I'd say, "Oh, I really like the score for this thing," but it's a rare. It's a rare bit of entertainment where you're like, the score is almost the point of this show. And a lot of people, you know, that, that's why the music of the show has, like, it has a real fandom. Like, people love Yoko Kano. And she's, Yoko Kano is prolific, right? Like, she, she composed a lot of music, obviously, for Macross, which is sort of like the biggest thing. I, I think I first heard of Yoko Kano from Vision of Escaflowne. Um, which is a show I maybe I should rewatch that someday. I it's like modestly popular, I guess, in the U.S. What is that? Vision um, of Escaflowne. I don't even know that I would bother summarizing it. I just know that it had um one one of the best opening musical themes of an anime from mm-hmm. that time. Um, until I know she did like most of the music for it. But yeah, even even like you could spend a lot of time with Yoko Kano's music in general but the bebop soundtracks are just such a it, it it really is no point of comparison even if you think of um something like a final fantasy 7 right like the like the nobuo like the nabu imatsu final fantasy soundtracks or something like this is just different man the music of bebop is just fucking different <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the director, Shinichiro Watanabe, who prolific, acclaimed, successful has has a strangely strong run of anime series, right? Like, yeah, Bebop in, in 1998. You've got Samurai Champloo, you got Kids on the Slope, Space Dandy, Terran Resonance, and then most recently Carol and Tuesday, which is a Netflix joint. Um, you and I probably have watched different. I've watched Bebop, Champloo, Kids on the Slope, Space Dandy, Terror and Resonance, and Carol in Tuesday. I watched them all. Yeah. I don't know that I finished all of them. I haven't finished Carol and Tuesday yet.
1: I have only watched completely multiple times Cowboy, Bebop, and Shamrock, Champloo. And I okay. started Space Dandy and didn't finish it.
0: Um, oh, I but, love Space Dandy. Space Dandy's that's a good hang. That's how yeah, I would describe my show. Yeah. Like,
1: it's just, it's really just the fact that, like, I you know started space dandy but then also started jojo's bizarre adventure and then like i got sucked up into the latter but yeah i mean bebop has spike champloo has mugen um these are two of my favorite anime characters of all time yeah um mugen is like you know like in in the story of Samurai Shampoo, I think it happens during like what late Edo period in Japan or what what part of it doesn't matter. People are care, like it's like it seems like the end of the samurai era where like not many where it's a big deal if anybody has a sword, you yeah. know? Um like there's a lot of legislation outlawing like the carrying of swords around, like it's no longer the Wild West, it's you know nearing the end of that, whatever. Um, there's Jin, Mugen, and um, forget what the, what what the what the third on the group's eventually.
0: Who? Wait, can I can I interject here to say the reason I'm not I'm not filling this information in is because I'm not the biggest fan of Jean Shampoo.
1: Shampoo not like it's it's I it's
0: I've only I, I it think is I it's easier. really
1: like to, to to go back to your earlier point about like how Cowboy Bebop is the best. Possible idealized version of style over you know like substance of, yeah. of a substance, like Champloo is a less good version of that. Like it has like a lot of stuff. Like Mugen is, um, comes from like you know way out in the sticks, uh, canonical and living memory, living memory of whatever this world is. Like you know we don't talk about wherever Mugen is from because people wild out too much. Yeah. And he has this, you know, like, awesome fighting style that's a lot like breakdancing slash capoeira. And it's like, he also just, like, has the same philosophy as Spike, which is that, you know, I'm just going to kick this until it works.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, There's a really funny sequence where there's, like, a like, he, Jean is, like, who's, like, the really refined, more, like, you know, older regal member of the group is trying to teach him how to meditate. And he's, there's, this, there's this scene where Mugen's staring at a waterfall and he's just like, this fucking blows. <laughs> Gets up and goes to drink. Yeah. yeah, I like Samurai Champloo.
0: Yeah, it has good spirit. I You know what it is? Here's the thing with Samurai Champloo. I'm sure a lot of people would concede this. I think the first episode of Samurai Champloo is really bad. And I think it's bad in an off-putting way that if, If you if it loses you too hard, it can be kind of hard to give the show a chance. Like I don't know. I just remember the first time I tried to get into that show. There was something about the first episode where I was just like, "Well, they do that thing where it's just
1: like they have people walking around Shinjuku and present day, and then they have like the needle scratch that goes (laughs) and like you know rewinds (laughs) back to like you know whatever period of Japan we're in again." Like, it's, like, it's, it's a really, like, annoying stylistic choice. Yeah. (laughs) Like, in a weird note to set the series off on. But, I mean, it is, like, it's, it's only, like, for how cool it looks.
0: But that's the thing. In, 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 there are plenty of anime series where a thing I might say is, oh, the first episode isn't by any means, the best the show has to offer. But I think because Watanabe a lot of times, at least certainly with Bebop and Champlou, because he leans so hard on this sort of confidence and style, that confidence has to really carry through, right? So with Bebop, it's just the first episode of Bebop, Asteroid Blues, right? Just swag on a million, you know? Whereas because I think Champloo feels a little goofy and stumbles a bit out of the gate, it kind of just, I remember the first time I tried to get into it. I think that first episode, I was just like, this show doesn't have the same confidence, but that said, I remember i remember sort of going back and dipping my toe into it over the years and being like, this show is probably better than I'm giving it credit for. Um, if you want to watch a Watanabe anime that's nuts, it's bad, but it's bad in a way that will shock you, Is <laughs> You should watch Terror and Residence, which is nine eleven, <laughs> the anime. <laughs> um, Holy No, it is it is teens do nine eleven, Japanese nope. teens do nine eleven. Yeah, that that show, and it's like also bad because so much of Terror and Residence by the end is basically. I don't know if you've watched the anime series um, Monster, based no. on the Naoki Urasawa manga. So great manga, great TV series, mm-hmm. but also. For whatever reason, Terror in Resonance is teens do 9-11, but also just kind of Monster. It just feels like it's kind of a rip off of Monster. But mm. that said, that's all the dragging I would do of Watanabe. Carol Carolyn Tuesday is delightful. I would call that Taylor Swift the anime. <laughs> um, you can watch that. The singer songwriter. Oh, the anime. one that you,
1: yeah, you've texted me yes. several scream babs yes. from that one. Yeah. yeah,
0: that show is delightful. It's great. It's on Netflix. So it's pretty easy to watch. Um Kids on the Slope, I remember, you know, Kids on the Slope is, you know, jazz redux and is a little, it's a little maybe that's like a summer background show. It's a little boring. And then Space Dandy, Space Dandy fucks. Space <laughs> Dandy's pretty good. I like Space <laughs> Dandy. I'm I'm sorry. Oh, but there's nothing I, I just don't think that it's it's kind of uh Watanabe is one of those directors where it's kind of hard sometimes to draw the dots, right? Like you can make the literal comparison of You know, some of the uh, the eclecticism of bebop is also evident in *Champloo*. The obsession with jazz and bebop is evident in *Kids on the Slope*. Right? Space is, you know, Space Dandy is in space. But it's like I think it's
1: more so like taking an ensemble and putting them in a blank enough environment where they are mostly just fighting against themselves. Like is a th- is yeah. a thing that I think I Nobby does a lot. Um, yeah, because I mean, like that's what bebop is. Like, um, Champlu could theoretically be ha- like the same things could be happening anywhere. I get like it's just you know what I'm saying. Like, there's just this sort of kind of aimless drifting.
0: Yeah, people are getting in by an like, alien. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. People getting by because like the roommates thing, like Carolyn in a hostile like that, too. world. Yeah, right, right. You know, it's like Carol and Tuesday, they just trying to get their music career. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, <laughs> there is that sense of striving and and yeah, that sense of work and striving. Um, but otherwise it's it's tough because well, except with Terran Resonance, which is just about teens doing 9-11. But um <laughs> <laughs> that show, my God. Um oh, man. Cowboy Bebop is just special. It's it's something that even just in the context of Latinabe's shows, like it, it doesn't have a I yeah I don't know I I can't think of it just feels like
1: all of his ideas are in Cowboy Bebop and like the 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 subsequent shows are just like kind of watered down versions of those of of ideas that were present in Bebop like Bebop is his ur text
0: yeah but I'd raise that and I'd say what it really is, is every every idea you've ever had or will ever had about the interaction between anime and the West is contained in this show. Like, you can sort mm. of look at other shows around the time. You can look at something like Trigon, right? Which is, a you know, another post-apocalyptic space-adjacent Western. Or you can look up... We talked about Black Lagoon, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, dirtbags, multiracial race comedy elements of Black Lagoon. You can look at things past and present that get really explicit about the idea that this is anime, but it's engaging with the idea of the West and why the West is interesting to a country like Japan and what the interplay is between Japanese style and Western style. But Cowboy Bebop subsumes the entire history of that like interaction, of that interplay between these two hemispheres into like a single show. Um, and I don't know. It, it, that that to me is what it actually. Cowboy Bebop actually feels like it's a monument to. It. it feels like it's a monument to that idea of the, like Japan and the West playing nice together <laughs> in terms of their respective animation traditions. Um, or it might, it's it's not. I wouldn't say they're animation traditions, right? Because it's thoroughly Japanese anime. But it's just that the music and the character stylings are so aggressively like paying homage to both North and South America, right? Like,
1: Yeah. Um, I guess, it, yeah. It, like, it just has such a respect to both Eastern and Western cultures in terms of, like, clothing, in terms of music, in terms of, like, in-world entertainment also. Um, like, pastimes, the way that people congregate. Like, it, it, it just, like, has... <laughs> it's like Cowboy Bebop is like an amateur anthropology study that's fun to watch. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with
1: that.
0: Mike, you have watched the Cowboy Bebop movie, right?
1: Yes, yes, I
0: have. Released two thousand two. You know, we kind of skipped through when we were talking about the series itself. How the series ends, or sort of what it what it's trending toward, right? It's trending mm-hmm. toward. I think this show is pretty transparent about this, but it's sort of its arc is toward the death of Spike Spiegel in the sort of climactic events of the show. Um, the final sort of engagement between Spike Spiegel and Vicious. And I think we referenced this once in an episode, maybe we were talking about avatar right we we're talking about anime has the problem of because a lot of shows get all their ideas out in a single season if you want to make like a movie spinoff you got like, to be like the movie takes place between a different between reality episode. yeah, yeah it has, exactly either a different reality or it has to it has to be like this takes place between episode 19 and episode 20 of the anime yeah it's you know? it's
1: 19 episode it takes place but that's such a weird thing about anime movies is that they take place between episode 19 and episode 20 and the main villain is an amalgam of the main <laughs> villain in the show, yeah. and like also somebody's love interest. Yeah, like
0: yeah.
1: because I mean, if we're, if we're, like it's like, uh, Vincent Villagio in the movie is vicious. Yeah, like it's the same thing. Um, like there's a lot of things that like are in that are similar about. I mean, like the train sequence, uh, the. Slightly responsible Native American mysticism. Uh, the uh, the the mop the 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 mop Yo. scene. The the, the mop, mop scene, which is which is not too unlike the uh, the taco stand fight, but is like a thousand times better because Spike says in that quote, "I love the kind of woman that can kick my ass."
0: <laughs> and also because of the song, dog. Yes, and this, this clutch song, is song is incredible. Yeah, the yeah. song yeah. is also incredible. Uh, clutch. The, I'll, I'll tell you, the movie soundtrack, like that particular soundtrack is nuts. I love the movie soundtrack. The movie soundtrack is amazing,
1: especially like the, like, the, the, the hallucinatory scenes where the butterflies start appearing and they have mm-hmm. like the weird like breathy choir in the background. It's so good. All of it is amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, although by, by the time the movie happens, even this, sh- I think the movie feels big in a weird way. Right, because the, the style is a little bit different. It feels a little more expensive. Um, the way it's shot even is different. There's a lot more sort of wonky... You know, we're talking about camera in the sense of animation. It's a fake camera in a sense, right? But there's a lot more sort of music video camera styling. Fish eye stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like weird angles that things are shot at in the movie. Um,
1: also, like the intro sequence, you gotta like, just to take a brief moment to talk about like, there is no reason for it to be as good as it is. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) but they're just like, you know what? We're just going to, here's all of New York, which this movie is not taking place. in. (laughs) I just like the, the, like, I I know, I know, you know what I'm talking about? Like the intro to the movie is like, So seems so expensive in a way that is totally unnecessary and does not relate to the movie at all.
0: (laughs) Uh, The movie is good. I think maybe the soundtrack for the movie is better than the movie itself. But importantly, I remember... um, I don't know. There's something about watching Cowboy Bebop the movie that first got me thinking about the idea of like, oh, this could be one of those series that blows up into being something that gets spun off or remade or rebooted all the time. You know, I, like I kind of thought slash worried for a long time that it would get the Evangelion treatment, right. In the same way that years after Evangelion finished, got its, you know, grand finale, um, sen- you know, theatrical release movie, it got rebooted. Right. And there are interesting things I think in the Ava reboot movies, but I think those movies kind of suffer from feeling way more expensive than the original thing was. Mm -hmm. And I think that brings us to 2020, 2021 with Netflix doing, you know, planning out the live adaptation of Cowboy Bebop. And this is, you know, there's obviously a general case of live action adaptation of anime. (laughs)
1: Let's just go ahead and explicitly state it, which is, uh, I know that this is an opinion that we both share. Which is that the visual grammar of like these shows is established, and like animated characters aren't placeholders for live actors. So I mean, like if you're going to make something, it's very difficult to have it be good because it's either like too beholden or not beholden enough. But then there's also the wrinkle that you're just now talking about, which is that like yes, I feel like there's too much money going into it already. Like it's yeah. gonna be... I feel like it's going to be... Because you know what? Uh, There was a news item last week about how Grin, um, who... Grinch is like one of Vicious's old comrades, is a character that comes to mean something later in the show in Cowboy Bebop, but has an iconic line that Faye is asking them... Are you a man or a woman? And one scene, he goes, and and and, and uh, Grin goes, I am both and neither one. And the thing is, is that it feels pivotal, and also something like the show doesn't make that much of a fuss about. Like, and because it was like a news item where they're just like, Cowboy Bebop adaptation, Netflix adaptation, officially says that Grin is going to be non-binary. Is just like, you know good but like keep that shit to yourself and make a good show you know what i
0: mean like that is the thing right it's the sort of there are levels to this kind of concern right because think about death note like netflix let's let's be honest netflix fucked up the death note adaptation the live adaptation live action adaptation of death note right and that's a show that Obviously has supernatural nat- element to it, but otherwise it's just a show where it's people talking to each other. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, it's just
1: it's a psychological
0: tension. Yeah, it's a soap opera. Like yeah, it's a soap opera. And even that is something that Netflix. You know, I would say that show kind of fed.
1: You know, you know what it is. You know what it is. Right. That I feel like the trepidation that we're both feeling around this is that like how like we are talking about Cowboy Bebop like. It's, you know, an ensemble show or like, you know, a show about roommates is like every time I see one of those news items come out or like when I see new stuff about the Netflix adaptation, I get the feeling that it's going to be caught up in being a cowboy bebop Netflix adaptation instead of being a show about friends drifting
0: through space. And that brings us back to Star Wars, right? Because that's the <laughs> thing. Like, I think I brought this up when we were talking about The Mandalorian however many episodes ago, right? Is that the, the thing The Mandalorian does that all the J.J., uh, you know, like Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker fuck up is they sort of abandon the idea that Star Wars is interesting because it's a, it's a loose universe that you can play around with and where you can say, I'm interested in these planets. What are the Ewoks doing Mm -hmm. on this planet? Oh, let's, Mm -hmm. you know, let's explain. Now that we've established the sort of core mythology of the Jedi and the Empire, let's branch out. Let's see what people out in the sticks are doing. Let's see what dramas are playing out in this world. And instead, the sequel movie is overcommitted to the idea that like, no, people like Star Wars because they want to hear you tell the story of the Jedi over and over again. And then the (laughs) Mandalorian comes along, right? And it's like, nah, man. The, no, it's about exploring It's about being a dirtbag And wandering in the desert And having motor vehicles That break down all the time Because, you know, this isn't a glamorous lifestyle We're out in the sticks We're doing space shit You know what I mean? And Bebop is a show As a show gets that It it sort of gets the thing About space westerns That later Star Wars movie, movies forget and you kind of wonder now, adapting Cowboy Bebop to live action adapt you know, live action in twenty twenty one or whatever, whether it's going to make the exact same mistakes that something like Star Wars does, and mm-hmm. it's going to make the mistake of of sort of being like, oh, this needs to be a plotty ass plot show, you know, when, as opposed when, to like, being like Bebop a vibe. itself yeah. was
1: very thin. It was very yeah. thin on plot. Yeah, like it's just yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, it's the improvisation <laughs> you is worry that it'll you worry that it won't move with the confidence that it needs to move with, and the awareness of like, you know, what the world would be at the time that the show is taking place, I guess
0: right. and And both when you say move, that's important because it's both true of the show, right? Can it mm-hmm. can a live action Netflix, you know, high dollar adaptation? on an episode to episode basis move with that improvisational, loose, eclectic sense, but also even just, you know how we were talking about spike in, um, the fight with Asimov and asteroid blues Mm -hmm. or in, in the clutch fight, uh, the, the mop fight in the movie where it's like, people only move like that either in Hong Kong cinema, apparently, (laughs) or in anime, right? Yeah. The fact that he's just moving like water, like, Can you do that? Will characters move like that? That's the thing. There's just a, there's a physical rhythm. You can't, I mean, think about how a character like Ed moves. Ed just has highly unnatural movement. You know what I mean? They're always rendered as, again, a pool noodle. And it's sort of, that's the magic of that character is that that character just has a signature rhythm. And you can't really imagine a a human character, yeah. There's
1: no way that you can replicate it. But like, I hope that they found some sort of way. You got to replace it, recreate the. Well, yeah, you got to replace it with some sort of feeling. There has to be some sort of like physical affectation that some actor has that you know the cinematographer like zeroes in on in some way that. Makes you forget that you're watching a Netflix show. Like, I, like, it, it's just, I, I, I don't see that happening. But, you know, I hope that they can pull it off, I guess.
0: Yeah. That's like the most optimistic way I can think about it is, you yep, know, it's a challenge. Like, by all <laughs> means, all what it take? Shit, I you, be trying you to do, would love I, to I see
1: mean, that. You, we would love to see that, wouldn't we, Jackie?
0: You know, it's like, if you were to take Watanabe and Yoko Kano up on that challenge, by all means. It's also the other distressing thing is I haven't heard anything about, oh, and this is how we're going to handle the music. So it's like, are y'all not even thinking about it? It's, like it's really just like, yo.
1: Yeah, I, it's just more so like the the, the the way the news around this has been proceeding has been so like, you know, all right, we're doing a Netflix adaptation. John Cho is going to be the lead. You know, we're making sure that Grin's non-binary. Um, also these other people are going to be in it, but like nobody, like the thing is that like before watch me came out, David Lindelof was being a super nerd about how, like, yeah, I'm not doing anything that was in the comic book is like this, that, the other thing and blah, blah, blah. blah, And, and like, cause you know, watch was very distinctive. It has its own, like it has its own sort of contained universe living history. Same as cowboy Bebop, but it has its own like established style visually, sonically, so on and so forth, but they're just kind of like doing the assembly line Netflix shit with it, like yeah, this is coming out, this is coming out. uh, somebody broke their leg on and said it's you know gonna be coming a little later than usual, but uh, you know whatever I just there's not enough nerdiness around it for me,
0: honestly, this is the rare case why I agree with you <laughs> with that kind of that kind of uncivilized statement about wanting more nerd nerdiness about it. You know, this is my exception. This is like, I no, can't please. even,
1: I can't even explain it. I surprised myself
0: too. I yeah. like it's,
1: I've, uh, I, but yes, there, there's not enough hand wringing around this
0: project for me. Yes. To make me feel comfortable. To make me in, feel
1: good. Com- I too in, am the America. Attention,
0: the attention to detail that I would like to see in order to feel confidence. I think you're right. I do get the vibe of like, Oh, A bunch of Netflix people just feel like they're making a Netflix show. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I'm not annoyed enough. Like I don't feel I don't feel overwhelmed enough by the news. (laughs) The show. (laughs) It's like it's like I should be tired by of it by the time that comes out. And that's not what's happening.
0: Yeah. I mean, get Kamasi and Christian Scott in there doing the soundtrack. Then maybe, you know, we can do another episode. We fuck them up, Socrates. You know, exactly. Uh Like we said at the top, hopefully this won't be our last episode about Cowboy Bebop. But we did, you know, it's Thanksgiving, news cycle slowing down. We're getting into the holidays. We did because so many people have asked us about the show ever since we talked about Evangelion. That, like, we did at least want to do a kind of primer before we reorient, before we try to figure out, you know, what should we do when we're closer to the release of the Netflix series. And frankly, you know what? email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com and you know talk to us about Cowboy Bebop. Talk to us about like what you would like to hear. What would you like to hear?
1: Also, email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com and give us questions for a forthcoming Mailback episode which we're going to be doing over the holidays where we will answer your questions on the air this time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, also email us about Cowboy because We love to talk about that shit.
0: Yeah. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. We'll see y'all next week.